In your worship folder today, like last week, inside there will be a group discussion guide that you don't need to look at now. You can look at later. But there are message notes in there. And I'm going to say right off the bat, you're welcome. It's a lot today. Filled out. Yours isn't yet. A, a lot today. We're doing a series today in one day. But it's probably one of the most important things you can know as a Christian. And so because of that, for those of you who are like me, and the point gets put up here and you're writing it down and it goes to the next slide, and you don't have it all written down yet, and there's something in you that panics. And it's like, no! On the back, upside down, are the answers. Do not, I'm going to call you out if you do this, okay? Do not start filling it out now. This is just, if you miss one, you know that later you have the answer. You need, I, you need to be hearing what happens today. Today, today like I said, po- it, probably one of the most important things that you can know as a Christian. We are, um, let, let me give you an example. Um, let's say you're on a game show. And you win. And, and the prize is you get to go to this exotic city. You know, you're going to go to London or Paris or you're going to go somewhere that you've never been before. And when you get there, you, you want to make sure you don't miss anything. There's a lot of different ways that you could do that. You could, for instance, um, just walk around. Just walk around. We did that one time. We, had, uh, we got bumped off a flight and got free tickets. They gave everybody, our whole family, got two free tickets to fly anywhere. It was just amazing. And so we decided on a spur of the moment one time, we're going to New York City. And so we get there. And I remember uh, one of the days we were there, we walked for like six hours. And although it was cool and we saw a lot, I have a feeling we missed a lot. You can just walk around and you'll see stuff, but you'll miss things. The other thing you can do is you can get a map. And you can take your map and you can look at your map. You know, you can get the map on your phone or whatever and you can walk around and you can see things. But that's not as good as if you got a guidebook. Because if you got a guidebook, then it would tell you, well, you can go here and you could see a few things you missed and you might be able to stop and see something that when you got back, you're really glad you see that. And all those things are okay. All those things are good. But the best thing that you could do is have a personal guide. Someone who is from there, someone who knows the stuff. Some of you know, we we got the privilege of like once in a lifetime taking um, my in-laws, my father-in-law celebrated his 80th birthday, and we we took him overseas, and and we got to spend a few days in London, and it was like mind-blowing. But one of the most fun parts of it was being on those double-decker buses with a guide, because the guide pointed out things that were not in any guidebooks, because they're from there. And you would see a whole bunch more. You'd waste a lot less time if you had a guide that took you around and showed you, you know, the best restaurants, and and here's something you don't want to miss. You'd enjoy it more. The truth is, the same is true with life. You need to have a guide for life. Last week, we're in a series on choosing your future. Remember, you can't choose your past. That's done. It's past. Maybe at the time you could have made different choices, but that's too late. That ship has sailed. But you can choose your future. Last week we talked about values and how important that was. If you missed it, um, 
and go online and listen to it. We have some, probably a few CDs left, but you can listen to it for free online at journeynorthchurch.com or iloveourchurch.com. There's links to go there to do that. Um, but today we want to talk about uh, choosing a guide for your life. This is huge. So I have a question. Um, you don't have to answer this out loud, but why did Jesus go back to heaven? Because I remember thinking, when I was a new believer, I, I remember thinking how amazing it would be to be able to walk and talk with Jesus. And I know that someday I'll be able to do that when I get to heaven. But for right now, it's like it would have been really nice in these circumstances to have him here. I remember thinking that and thinking, why didn't he stay? In John 16, this this is not um, on your outline, but it is up on the screen, I believe. John 16, verses 17 and 13, it says this. Jesus said, it's actually better for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the helper won't come to you. But if I do go away... He will come because I will send him to you. And when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth and he will tell you what is yet to come. So how is having the Holy Spirit better for us than actually having Jesus right here? Well, one of the main things is if Jesus was here with me, like we're walking, we're going for a walk, and Jesus and I are talking, he's not with you. He's with me at the moment. The Holy Spirit can be with all of us at one time. He's not limited to a, a, a location. He can be with all of us who are followers of Jesus in all of us who are followers of Jesus at the same time. And by the way, just for clarification, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit today. We're, we have a whole series on this, but we're just going to kind of fly today and talk about this. Um, You'll hear often people talk about the Holy Ghost. All I can think of is Don McLean singing American Pie. The three men I admired most, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And I could sing that for you, but I won't right now. Why is it Holy Ghost and why is sometimes it's Holy Spirit? The reason for that is one of the first um, English versions of the Bible was the King James Version in 1611. That was a couple years ago. And ghost meant something totally different than it does today. When you hear the word ghost today, you don't think of the same thing as they did 400 years ago. And so um, all of the newer translations will say Holy Spirit because the word for ghost is just, it means, uh, it's pneuma. It means the, the breath, the spirit is what it's talking about. So John 14, 16 through 17, here's what Jesus says. The Father will give you another helper, and it means another of the same kind, just like do the same things Jesus did, another helper who will be with you forever. That helper is the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it doesn't see or know him, but you know him because he lives with you and will be in you. See, for them, when Jesus told them that, the spirit did not live in them yet. That this was going to be a brand new thing. When Jesus died, was buried, rose again, when he ascended to heaven, and he sent the Spirit down, and that first church began, that was the first time that happened. That now happens to every believer. At the moment you become a follower of Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit in you. And so many believers have no idea what that means because they don't understand it. They don't understand how important it is. So we're going to talk about that today, and just to show you the importance, I want to share with you some ways that the Holy Spirit wants to help you every day. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have this available. 
So here's ways that he wants to help you every day. And here's where you're going to start to get writer's cramp. But remember, you got the answers. So don't, don't freak out. If I listen to the Holy Spirit, he will help me, number one, know what I need to know. He's going to help me know what I need to know. The truth, the, the information, the insights that are needed for that moment. And, and that's actually the best part of it. At the very moment you need it, he can bring it to you. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. You ever read a Bible verse and you read it in the morning and something happened during that day and that was the very verse you needed. And he brought that to mind and you thought about it or, or you were reading a book or some article you were looking at or a song you were listening to and something happened and it connected and it's like, oh, that was the Holy Spirit doing that. See, sometimes he does that for you. Sometimes he gives you something for somebody else's benefit. I have to say, that happens to me all the time at Walmart. <laughs> Somebody will come up to me and we'll start talking and they'll tell me about what... It's like, I, I feel like we should go back in the furniture department on the couch and they should lay on the couch and I should sit there with my notes, you know. It's like, they, they start talking and I can't tell you how many times the thing they say is directly related to the thing that I was reading that morning in order to help them, because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He can help you know what you need to know. John 16, 13, we, um, we looked at that. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will lead you into all truth. That's what the Spirit does. When the Holy Spirit tells you what you need to know, it's called revelation. He reveals it to you. In Luke 2, um, Simeon, it says this, it had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit. Simeon was an old guy, this is, uh, Jesus was going to be born, um, as Simeon had been waiting all his life, and it had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit that he was going to be able to see the, the Messiah come. And he wouldn't have known that unless the Spirit revealed that to him. So um, if I listen to the Holy Spirit, he'll help me know what I need to know. If I listen to the Holy Spirit, the second thing is, I get where I need to go. These are not all going to rhyme, don't worry, this first two just happened too. I'm going to get where I need to go if I'm listening to the Holy Spirit because he's going to open doors of opportunity for me. In Luke 2.27, right after the verse that talks about it being revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit, in fact, it was that day, it said the Spirit led Simeon to go to the temple. Now, he could have said, oh, that's not the Spirit. I don't need to go today. And he would have missed Jesus. Because that was the day that Joseph and Mary brought Jesus to the temple. And the Spirit, because Simeon was listening to the Spirit, the Spirit was able to tell him where he needed to go so that he could experience what he needed to experience. If he had not been sensitive to that, he would have missed the greatest privilege of his entire life. The Bible is full of examples of this Holy Spirit nudging. Like, for instance, in Acts 8, we've looked at this before. Um, Philip, the Holy Spirit says to Philip in verse 29, go over and walk along beside the carriage. He tells that to Philip. And Philip goes up and it's like, why would I do that? He could have sat there and tried to figure out the why and that doesn't make sense and why. But he just obeyed. And he went up and walked along that carriage and he's walking beside the carriage. He hears the guy sitting in the carriage reading from the Bible 
from a passage in Isaiah, and Philip looks up. He said, you know what, uh, you know what you're reading? The guy says, ah, how, will, how would I know what I'm reading? And he invites him up in. He ends up talking to him, and he ends up leading him to Jesus. That guy was an Ethiopian leader. And because Philip was sensitive to what the Spirit said, this, opi- this Ethiopian leader took Christianity back to Africa. And millions of people came to Jesus because of that. Because he was just sensitive to the Spirit. So it's kind of like here at Journey in Our Church, one of the things we want to always be aware of is we, we call it catching waves. Because we're not the ones who create the waves. God creates the waves. And so we want to look for what God is doing and join him in it. That's what we do here. So um, next, let, let me ask you this. Have you ever felt you're in a situation and you're thinking to yourself, I don't have the slightest idea what to say at this moment. Now, I know some of you think that a lot. Some of you have never thought that because you always know what to say, even when you really don't. <laughs> you always know what to say. Here's the next thing. If I listen to the Holy Spirit, he will help me say the right things. And there's, that's the if for all of these. If I listen, he'll help me say the right things. In Mark 12, it said the Holy Spirit led David to say, which we read many of the things that the Spirit led David to say. And, and the truth here is, if you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit has used you many times, probably without you even knowing it. He puts an idea in your mind and you say it and it helps somebody else because that was the very thing that they needed to hear. And when you're, when you're listening to and following the Spirit, that's what happens. See, sometimes, sometimes he tells us these things in advance. But let me clarify this. He tells you these things in advance when you prepare, he tells you. It's not like, I don't have to do anything. He's going to tell me in advance. That's like, if you have a test, if you're in school or you're taking some class or you're catching up on things and you have a test coming up Friday and it's a big test and there's a lot to study for and you say, no, the Holy Spirit's going to help me say the right things on this test. And you don't study, I have a pretty good idea you're going to fail. And you're going to pray during that test. Oh, please, Spirit, tell me what I'm supposed to put here. And he's going to say, I would had you studied... Because he will tell us things in advance when we prepare. This happens to me every week. Because after, when I'm standing up here, it's because there's been 10, 15, 20, 30 hours before this of spending time with him in his word. And as I'm preparing in advance, I, I pray continually, Lord, give me today what you want me to say this Sunday. And so I'm preparing in advance, and I say, I I don't know what everybody needs. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but as I'm preparing, give me what to say. And then I say it, and I can't tell you how often somebody will come up to me and say, oh, man, I felt like you were speaking right to me. And I love saying, I was. (laughs) And then they wonder, what does he know? (laughs) The truth is, I was speaking to you because you needed to hear that, and the Spirit knew that, and the Spirit had me say that because I prepared in advance. So sometimes he tells you in advance, but sometimes he just tells you in the moment. Now, again, that doesn't mean you can go into a test unprepared. There are specific parameters for this. 
Like, if, if you get arrested one day because you're a follower of Jesus and you claim Jesus is Savior and you get arrested and you get brought before the judge and you don't know what to say, we're going to read a verse in a moment. God's going to tell you what to say. That, that's like a given. You might be um, in a situation where somebody comes up to you and the Bible says, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that's in you. In 2 Peter, 1 Peter, I can't remember. When you're talking to that person and you're sharing your hope with them, um, it happens to me, again, in Walmart a lot. I'm sharing my hope with people. And as I do that, I, I can stay calm. I don't have to worry about that because I have an advantage. I have the Holy Spirit. And I didn't organize or orchestrate that. And I know that he brought us together. And I know that all I have to do, what I do is, uh, I call it an insta-prayer. And you need to get into the practice of doing this all the time. You don't have to bow your head and close your eyes and fold your hands. You just have to shoot up a prayer and say, Holy Spirit, what should I say? God, what should I say? And if you're talking to the person there right there, probably not out loud. <laughs> but just, what should I say? Here's what it promises in Matthew 10. When you're in a situation that you didn't get yourself in, when it's there, because you're a follower of Jesus, says, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of the Father speaking through you. You just shoot up that instant prayer. What, God, what should I say here? And it's funny because, again, that has nothing to do with a test that you need to take. It has nothing to do with me speaking up here. I have a lot of people that talk to me during the week that think um, that I just come up and I make this all up as I go. And it's like, yeah, that's not exactly how it works. Well, the Spirit gives you what to say. I said, nope, that verse is out of context. He didn't say you can get up and preach and you don't have to study during the week. Totally different thing. So anyhow, the Spirit, if you listen to Him, will help you to say the right things. The fourth thing, if I listen to the Spirit, He will help me wait. This is probably the hardest word in this whole message. Wait for God's perfect timing. He will help me wait for God's perfect timing. Because in life, timing is everything. You can do the right action at the wrong time, and it's a fail. And you say, but I did the right thing. You did it at the wrong time. And the Spirit can help you figure out when the right time is. You see, there's no way you can know the right timing for everything in your life. You can maybe know the right thing. Maybe God has given you a dream about something. You can't know the right timing, but God knows it. That's why I don't have to worry about delays. Very early in the life of Junior North Church, in the first year or so, when we were looking for places to rent to meet, the team that was doing that, um, kind of independently of each other, found this property north of town. And it started out to be, I don't remember how many acres it was, and, and God actually has added to that since then, and we have 30-some acres on the north side of town. And, and now we're just waiting for God's timing to build. He's given that dream. He's given that vision. We know that there's going to be something there someday, but it's His timing. Now, had we jumped ahead of Him, it would have been huge failure, crash and burn, because it was not His timing. It was his timing to get it. So I have people like every single week, when are you going to build your church? And I say, we are. And they're like, really? I said, yeah, building the church every Sunday. The church is people. We're building people before we build a building. But in God's timing, 
we can wait for God's perfect timing because we don't have to worry. And when the Spirit's guiding us, you can wait confidently and not discouraged. In Galatians 5.5, it says this, We are led by the Spirit to wait in the confident hope of righteousness through faith. And it's only through the Spirit that you're going to be able to wait during those times when you really want something happening that's not happening. So maybe the question for you is, what are you waiting on? And if you're waiting on something, are you talking to the Holy Spirit while you wait? Because there's probably a really good reason why you're waiting. And if you're not talking to Him, you're not going to know what that is and be able to wait for His perfect timing. The fifth thing, if I listen to Him, the Holy Spirit will help me resist things I can't normally resist. That's temptations and, and compulsions and desires and addictions and things that I maybe can't normally resist. If I'm listening to the Spirit, He will help me resist those things. In Galatians 5, 17 and 18, it says this, the desires of self-indulgence, that means what you want when you want it, the desires of self-indulgence, are always in opposition to the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are in opposition to your self-indulgence, which keep prevented from doing the things that you want to do. But when you are led by the Spirit, you are not in bondage to the law. You're not in bondage when you're led by the Spirit. The point here is Holy Spirit power is stronger than willpower. It's not just about saying, I'm not going to do that. I don't know. Maybe you're not like me. Maybe you've never experienced something that you know you're not supposed to do, and you say, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And you turn around and do it. It's like, ugh. And then I'm not going to do it. I ask forgiveness. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I I can stop that. And then you turn around and do it again. Because willpower is not enough. You need Holy Spirit power. That actually is the biggest advantages of celebrate recovery over other recovery programs is there is a power there to help you with those hurts habits and hang-ups that people who don't have jesus don't have in fact the verse before the two that we just read it's not in your notes i think i think i put it on the screen galatians 5 16 says if you are guided by the spirit you won't fulfill the selfish desires of your sinful nature if you are guided by the spirit So the Holy Spirit helps me resist things I can't normally resist. Maybe that sounds good for you. Here's the the last thing, the sixth thing. If I listen to the Holy Spirit, He will help me avoid dangers and mistakes. I don't know if any of you have ever had a problem with not avoiding dangers and mistakes. Some of us seem to be able to choose those very easily. The Holy Spirit can help us avoid those things. Part of the Holy Spirit's job is to protect us, to shield us, to shelter, defend us, to keep us from disaster. Because left to our own, that's what we'll find every time. And one of the ways he does this is by warning you. You know, it's like, caution, the lights beep, beep, don't do that. You know, he's tipping us off to things. And he's telling us that. But here's, we have to listen to him. If you're totally oblivious and you're not listening to him, you're not going to see all the caution flags. You're not going to hear all the warnings and you're going to step headlong into the problem and you're going to wonder how you got there. God, didn't you, don't you love me? Why am I here? It's like, because you didn't listen. I was telling you not to do that. In fact, some of you, you can write this down. It's just find a place on your outline. I'm most likely to hear the Spirit. I'm most likely to hear the Holy Spirit 
when I'm relaxed. If you're living your life all stressed out, you're not going to hear them. You're most likely to hear the Spirit speaking these things to you, especially the warnings, when you're relaxed. So we have to be able to live without all that stress. We have to be able to rest in Him and relax. David says in Psalm 16, I praise the Lord because He guides me. And that's what we're looking here for here, a guide. He says, I praise the Lord because He guides me. And in the night, my conscience warns me. When I'm quiet, when I'm still, because I'm, I'm praising Him, because I'm connected to Him, He can warn me of those things. Letting the Holy Spirit lead you will spare you from a lot of unnecessary pain if we just listen to Him. In Acts 21.4, it says the Holy Spirit warned all throughout Scripture. He's warning us to not do certain things. And in this verse, the Holy Spirit warned Paul not to go to Jerusalem. It was a good thing. He could have gone back there and seen the believers at the church there, got strengthened, got some more support, got whatever he needed to get. But the Holy Spirit warned Paul not to go there. Paul didn't know why. Do you know why? We know why. Paul didn't. It was because there was a conspiracy there to murder him when he came back. The church didn't know that. It was one of these, it was a conspiracy. Nobody knew it. But as soon as he stepped foot there, he was going to be arrested and killed. The Holy Spirit knew that, and he warned him, don't go there, so he didn't. So that's a big deal. So all of those things, many things that he wants to help us with on a daily basis. So how does he do that? How can we get that? How does he guide us? There's a lot of different ways. You can get wise counsel from other believers. He does that sometimes in visions and dreams, and sometimes through circumstances, sometimes through miracles that we see. But I just want to share with you the three most common ways that, that the Holy Spirit uses. It might not be the three ways that we want, but they're the most common ones that he uses. Here's the three most common ways he guides us. Number one, by revealing the meaning of what he's said. By revealing the meaning of what he said. You see, since the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, his primary tool is the truth. It is this book. It is the Bible. This is the primary tool that the Holy Spirit uses to reveal truth to you. God's will. You want to know God's will? It's found in God's word. If you're not in God's word, you're not going to find God's will. His will is found in his word. It's not talking about the Bible. It's not believing things about the Bible. It's being in the Bible. That's how he leads us. And so you've heard me say this many times. Stop looking for a vision and start looking for a verse. That's what's most important. Stop looking for a sign and start looking for a scripture. We want the miraculous. We want you know, God to do something that is unmistakable. And he says, I gave you my word. All we have to do is be in it. But I understand that sometimes we don't understand how a verse applies to us. That's why we need to be in it all the time, by the way. But here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 2.14. The man without the Spirit, if you don't have the Spirit, does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. That means if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're not a believer, you haven't stepped across that line from unbelief to belief, you don't have the Spirit. And, and it's not going to make sense to you. You're going to read the book, 
and you're going to find all the wrong things in it. It's not going to make sense because the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. God knew this. That's why he assigned the Holy Spirit to be our interpreter. In John 15, 26, Jesus said, The Helper will come, the Spirit, who reveals the truth. That's what the Holy Spirit does. With this book, you get both the book and the live commentary from the author when you read it. So he does it the most common way is revealing the meaning of what he said. The second thing, the second way he guides is by reminding us of what he said. One of the Holy Spirit's job is to remind you of truth that you've already learned. You've been in the Bible. You've, you've looked at things, and the Holy Spirit can bring that back to you. We said that earlier. It might be for your benefit or somebody else's that day. But you've been there, and he reminds us of those things. John 14, Jesus said, The Helper will teach you everything. The Helper is the Holy Spirit. Remember, he said the Helper will come. That's the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and will cause you to remember all that I told you. This Helper is the Holy Spirit. You see, since the disciples, like, they didn't have notepaper, you know, how'd they remember everything Jesus said? In 2 Peter, I think this is not in your outline, but it's on the screen. 2 Peter 1.20, it says this. You need to know nothing in Scripture was just thought up by the prophets themselves. It's not like, oh, this is a good thing to write. It was the Holy Spirit who directed and reminded them of these true words from God. That's what the Bible is. It's God's Word. They wrote it because He brought it to mind. Now when we read it, He can bring this to our minds. He can help us remember things that, that we have looked at and studied, but you need to get this. The Holy Spirit can only remind me of what I've already heard or read. If you've never read it, He can't remind you of it. So it's absolutely essential to be in God's Word every day. Some of, some of the best, one of the, the best and most powerful thing I do is every single morning I get up and I sit in my chair and I read the Bible. Sometimes I go through a plan where I'm reading the whole Bible in a year, sometimes the New Testament in a year. Right now, I'm just spending as much time as I need to to get through the Gospel of Mark. And it's, it's now um, the last day of March, which that's really hard to believe. And I've, I'm not through Mark 11 yet. But I'm having the best time just sitting there with Jesus and doing that. And as I do that, he brings those things. I can't tell you how often during the, during the week I'll run into somebody and somebody will say something that's like, well, you know what it says in Mark chapter 9? And they'll look at me like, how do you know that? And it's like, I don't. But the Spirit reminded me of that because that's where I was. So it's important for us to read and memorize it. In fact, we're probably going to do that in just a moment. The third thing, third way he guides, by giving us nudges and confirmations. And I, I would, I would kind of like to say it doesn't count when something happens and your spouse nudges you. But sometimes God nudges you through your spouse. Sometimes that happens. But nudges and confirmations are kind of like mental impressions. This is the internal witness. The way the, way the old translation says is, is the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. He gives us these internal things. And at first, it's hard to recognize. And you might not even know it's him at first. But here's what I know. 
after walking with him for over 40 years, the longer you walk with God, the better you can hear his voice if you are in the word. If you're not in the word, you can be with him for 30 years and you still ain't going to hear anything because this is how he speaks to us. It says in Romans 8, 16, God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. He wants to give you those impressions. He wants to use the things you've read. He wants to use the verses you've memorized. So here's a tip to to kind of strengthen this, make this work better. Always act on good impressions. If it's a good thing, do it. It strengthens that muscle. It helps you hear him better. If, if, If the impression is you need to help this person somehow, do it. You know, ask them, can, can I pray for you? It'll seem really weird the first time you do it. But when you see it start making a difference, you'll get better at that. You'll get better at hearing it. It will get stronger. Just do something nice for that person. Don't, don't stop doing that when you feel this good impression come. So personally, um, I, he gives me, you know, I rely on these things the illumination of Scripture, which means I have to be in here, and he will open it up for me. The impressions of people and the interpretations of, invent, of events. Too many people, their entire life is, is, is going along and, and looking at these, an event in life and saying, this must be a sign. And they haven't spent time in God's Word. They haven't spent time praying. They just see a sign. They see an open door. They see a closed door. And that may be what you're seeing, but it may not be. So, brings us to one of the most important parts of this message, the YBH. So I used to write in the outline, the margins of my outline in Bible college all the time. They'd say something, and it's like they were very heady, you know, knowledgeable, and that's a good thing. You need that. But I would listen to it, and I would write in, in the margin of my notes, YBH. Yes, but how? I need to know how. Here's the how. How to let the Holy Spirit lead you. Steps that you can take. Here's the first one, probably the hardest one, second hardest one. Pause and be quiet. Pause and be quiet. See, when I spend time with God, I read his word, I talk to him, and there's sometimes when I'm just being quiet because I need to hear from him. Psalm 37, 7 says this, Be still and know that I am God. You won't know that he's God until you figure out how to be still. In Isaiah 30, 15, it says, In quietness and confidence will be your strength. We have to be able to pause and be quiet. That's why every single morning, that's what I do. It's before I look at the weather, before I look at the news, before I look at Instagram, before I look at Facebook, before I do any of those things, before I check my email, I look to God. Because I know that when I I pause and be quiet, I can hear from Him. So I do that every single morning I have for 40 years. I also do that on a regular basis at 10 till the hour. And that's not some spiritual thing. It's because when I've been sitting studying, my watch buzzes me at 10 till and says, you've been sitting for 50 minutes. 
get up, man. It doesn't say it like that, but that's how I interpret it. And it says, it's time to get up and move. And so on a regular basis, then somebody says, so you let your watch tell you what to do? It's like, no, I know that then I can get up, I can step away from what I'm doing, and I can pause. And I can listen to what God has to say to me. So on a regular basis, I'll get up, at, uh, uh, get up from my seat at 10 till, and I'll go walk around for a little bit, and I'll talk to God. Um, it makes a big difference. So if you want the Spirit to lead you, you have to learn how to pause and be quiet. Here's the second thing. This first word is going to be the hardest one for some of you. Humbly. Humbly ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. Some people have no problem with this. Some people have huge problem with this. Pride is actually one of the biggest problems that there is. And if you want the Spirit to speak to you, if you want the Spirit to lead you and guide you, you have to be humble, and you have to humbly ask Him to guide you. Psalm 25.9 says this, God guides the humble in what is right and teaches them His way. That means if pride is an issue with you, the Holy Spirit ain't guiding you. You're not going to know what his way is. You're not going to know the right way if pride is a problem. There has to be humility. Psalm 2711 says, Teach me, Lord, what you want me to do and lead me down the right path. See, that's taking me out of it. What do you want, God? That takes humility. What do you want, God? So we pause and be quiet. We humbly ask the Spirit to guide us. And here's the third thing, the third step. Be willing to do what he says. You you have to want to be led. You have to want him to guide you. It starts with desire. It starts with that longing and craving that my way has not worked well. I want his way. I want your way, spirit. And and I've gotten to the point where, where my heart says... I, I have got to have God's guidance in this. I don't want to make this decision on my own because he knows the future. He knows way more than I do about everything that's going on here, and I have got to have his guidance in this. And the sad truth is many people, they don't want God to lead them. A lot of people, they would not say it out loud, but what they're saying to God is, no thanks, I want to be my own boss. I'm pretty smart. I know a lot. I can make my own decisions. And yeah, you're pretty smart. You know a lot. And you can make your own decisions. But you don't know what God knows. And if, and if he was guiding you, he would be able to use that smart you have to make the right decisions. You have to be willing, though, to do what he says. John seven seventeen says this. Whoever is willing to do what God wants and chooses it will know if what I teach comes from God. You have to be willing to do it and choose it. And it's interesting because you're choosing it before you know what it is. You're saying, I want your way. I'm going to be willing to do that, whatever it is. Here's the fourth step. We've looked at this in a number of different ways, and we're going to continue to to push on this because it's so huge. Number four, look to God's word. Look to God's word. If you want the Holy Spirit to guide you, you have to spend time in God's word. If you don't have a Bible, if you don't have a, a, a clear translation that's easy for you to read, we have one we'll give you. Because we have given away hundreds of Bibles over the years. 
And we will continue to do that because of verses like Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to guide me and a light for my path. I cannot read that verse without thinking about camping in the Boundary Waters with junior high kids. Before we went into the Boundary Waters, we went into a campground, and, and um, we were going to stay there for one night, and then I was going to take this, I don't know what I was thinking, this large group of junior high kids into the Boundary Waters, and we're sitting around a campfire, and when we sat at the campfire to have dinner, it was light out. I had my guitar there, and so we're sitting around a campfire, and we're singing. We're worshiping and having a good time, and um, it's now dark, and as we're sitting there around a campfire, I look between these two junior high kids over to my left, and this big, hairy head comes poking between two of the kids. Now, one of the kids over here says, look, there's Satan, (laughs) but you have to understand the context. The guy in the campsite next to us has this giant dog, black dog, named Satan. And so one of the kids says, look, there's Satan. (laughs) The guy had been listening to us sing and was over here. He said, no, that's not Satan. He's in the camper. And we look, and it's a bear. So we're grabbing our pots and pans and banging things. And of course, when we came to to the campfire, it was light. So guess where my flashlight is? It's in the tent. So I'm stumbling and trying to get to the tent, falling down to get my flashlight, and God has a great sense of humor. You know what he brought to my mind? An old Amy Grant song. (laughs) Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And I'm singing this, and we're laughing as we're going down the path because we can't see what we're doing, and we could use a light. That's what God's word is for us. It keeps us from, from stumbling because, oh, I didn't see that. You can see it when the light's there, and God's word is the light. 2 Timothy 3.16, this is not on your outline, but it's up on the screen. In the New Living, it explains it a little bit better. It says this, all scripture is inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our life. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. That makes great sense. Too many people read this verse the first time in an old translation. The older translations say it like this. In fact, NIV is a newer one, but here's what it says. All Scripture is God-breathed, which that's a little weird for some people. But inspired by God, that's what it means. It's, the word is, I love, it's my favorite Greek word, uh, phrase, theopneustos. It means God-breathed. All, all Scripture is breathed out by God. It's useful for teaching. For, we don't always like that word. Teaching, rebuking. I'm not even sure, you know, everybody knows what that means. Correcting and training in righteousness. So here's how I explain that verse. I love this explanation. Teaching. Teaching is God shows me the path to walk on. That's all it is. That's what God's word does. It shows me the path to walk on. Rebuking or reproof, as some translations say, is when God shows me how I got off the path and now I'm in the ditch. And I wouldn't know that without God's word. He shows me I'm now in the ditch. Correcting, and this is what God's word does, it shows me how I get back on the path, the right path for my life. And then training, how can I stay on the path and not fall off in the ditch again? That's what God's Word does. If you want to end up in a ditch, don't pay any attention to God's Word. 
If you want to stay out of the ditch and on the path, the only way is God's word. See, most of God's will is already revealed. As, as we read God's word, he speaks. It's not like some weird mystical thing. When, when you open your Bible, God opens his mouth. When you close your Bible, God closes his mouth. It's as simple as that. We discover the will of God by studying the word of God. As I said before, stop listening for a voice and start looking for a verse. And by the way, I said this before, God expects us to obey his word before he shows me his specific will. So, illustration, you might say, I want to know if I should change jobs. And God says to you, are you following what I've already told you? It's like, well, no, not exactly, but I need to know this right now. See, here's the key. Start doing what you already know to be God's will. We act on God's revealed will. Say, ah, that's, that's too simple. I don't want that. But we're not doing it. When we act on his revealed will, we start to understand his concealed will. You see, God's will never contradicts God's word. Ever. God will never tell you something to do that contradicts his word. You say, I had the impression. I had this impression. And I always say to people when they say, I had this impression, it's like, what does the Bible say? I don't know. I didn't look at the Bible. That's how cults get started. (laughs) His will will never contradict his word. Here's one. I hear this all the time. I'm going to step on toes. Don't really care. 2 Corinthians 6.14 tells us that believers are not supposed to marry unbelievers. Now, it does not say, if you're a believer and married to an unbeliever, that's a good reason for you to split up. It does not say that. It's talking about getting into that relationship, and it's saying believers should not get into that relationship with unbelievers. It's pretty clear. And so I have people come up to me and ask me this all the time. I want to marry this person. You know, are they a believer? Well, no. But they, they got these stars in their eyes, and it's like, but God brought us together. And it's like, no, sorry, he didn't. That's missionary dating. It very seldom works. It's worked occasionally, but not very often. I can guarantee this. If a believer marries an unbeliever, there's going to be trouble. Somebody's going to pull somebody in in, in a direction, and I can guarantee in 99% of the time which direction they're going to get pulled in. Because it's clear from the Bible, don't do that. There are many things in the Bible that God has already told us most of what we need to know in life. It's already there, and it's in this book. And if we just read it, he'll guide us. It'll answer all of our questions, but it'll answer most of your questions about should I do this or should I do that as we know what it says in his word. In Psalm 119, 133, it says this, guide my steps by your word so I will not be overcome by any evil. I would assume most people in here don't want to be overcome by evil. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to say, we're going to say this. We're going to say Psalm 119, 133. And then you're going to say, guide my steps by your word so I will not be overcome by any evil. And then we're going to say Psalm 119, 133 again. And we're going to, we're going to remember this verse. Are you ready? We're going to start with the, 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 the reference, the address of the verse so you know where it is. Then we're going to say the verse and we're going to say that again. You ready? Psalm 119, 133. 
Guide my steps by your word so I will not be overcome by any evil. Psalm 119, 133. If you did that 10 times, most of you would have that verse memorized. And it would be a really good verse to have memorized when you're about to step into it. And the thing you're about to step into is evil. And God will bring back to your mind, oh, wait, guide my steps by your word. What does your word say here? So that was the fourth thing, fourth step. Look to God's word. Here's the fifth step. Expect his guidance in faith. Expect it. If you're not expecting the Holy Spirit to tell you anything, why should he? If we're not even thinking about it or expecting him to, why would he? He doesn't listen to complaining, by the way. He doesn't listen to gripes. You know what he listens to? Faith. Here's what James 1, 5 through 6 says. If you want to know what God really wants you to do, ask him. And he will gladly tell you, for he is always ready to give a bountiful supply of wisdom to all who ask him. But be sure that you really expect him to tell you. If you don't ask in faith, you know, you're really expecting him to tell you. If you don't ask in faith, don't expect the Lord to give you any solid answer. We get answers all the time, but we don't always believe them. One of the things that happens to Julie and I on a regular basis, it may have happened to you, um, we tend to, to push it a little bit when we're on road trips, knowing that we need gas, but we can make it one more exit. Just because this says there's zero miles left doesn't mean there's really zero miles left. Here's one of the things that's happened to us many times. It's like there's, there's going to be gas at this exit up here. We know that. And so we can make it. We'll pass this exit because we're going to make it to that one. And we can do it. And we get there. We get off the exit. You get to the thing where you got to know whether you're going to turn right or left. And it says gas. Ten miles that way. It's a little two-lane road that looks like it's going to turn into dirt. And it's like, really? I have zero left. And you have to go 10 miles down this little road to find a gas station. And as you're driving, I don't know about you, but 10 miles on those roads always seem like 50 miles. And you get like halfway, and it's like, we need to turn around. This is going nowhere. But here's what we know. If we turn around, we're going to run out of gas. But if we keep going, we're going to run out of gas and be farther away. So the bottom line is, where'd you get the information? If you got the information from a reliable source, you keep going until you get to the gas station. Because the point is, the guidance is only as good as the person giving it. And it's only useful if you trust it. If the person giving it is reliable and, you, and you, you, you're pretty sure there's going to be a, a gas station there and you trust it, things will go okay. But if you don't trust it, Things will not go okay. You see, we can always trust God's guidance. He's never wrong. Doesn't mean he's always going to ask us to do easy things, but he's never wrong. But you have to believe. Because too many people say God helps those who help themselves. That's not in the Bible. God helps those who trust him. God helps those who trust him, and he's promised to help. And that's the last step. Number six, wait for God's response. And for some of you, this will be the hardest one. Wait. Just wait for God's response. That was like nine seconds. And some of you are already getting antsy. 
Here's what Job 33, 14 says. Under, wait for God's response. God does speak. Sometimes one way and sometimes another, even though people may not understand it. You might be looking for a certain thing and you're looking for the wrong thing. Just look for what he has because God does speak. And if it's not this way, it's going to be this way. But we have to wait for his response. So I'm going to pray for you because this is the most important thing that if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is the most important thing that you can know, how to be led by the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes as we pray. And I'm going to say, Father, I pray for this, these, these people here who are followers of you, this family of God. I pray for every person who's going to have to make some difficult choice or decision this week. And I pray that we would never again make a decision on our own, but only after looking to you. You've given us a guidebook, the Bible. You've given us a guide, the Holy Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, help us to learn to hear your voice, to listen to your nudges. Help us to get into God's word, to fill our minds with your word so you can cause us to remember what we've stored in our hearts. Lord, for everybody who's having a tough time, I pray that the Holy Spirit would give them new insights. Help them to know what they need to know. Help them to go where they need to go. Help them to say what they need to say. Direct them along the way. Help those who need to wait for your perfect timing to not get in a hurry. Help those who are struggling with something they can't seem to resist to stop relying on willpower and start relying on the Holy Spirit power. And I pray that you would protect this family protect this flock, that you would protect them from dangers and mistakes. Lord, help us to be smart enough to listen to your warning and to not walk foolishly into areas that you've already told us to avoid. Lord, for everyone who doesn't know you here today, listening to this, may they right now say, Jesus, I want to know you. I want to have that spirit as my guide that they would just say in their heart, Jesus, I want to know you. I want you in my life. I want that. And may they begin this journey today that will last for the rest of their lives and into eternity. And I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Please stand for the closing song. There are a lot of guides that you can choose for your life. Choose the right one. Choose the one that has your best interests at heart, that knows you better than you know yourself, that knows your circumstances, that knows your future, the one who will never leave you or forsake you. That's the guide. That's the personal guide you want. And if you don't know Jesus, choose him today, and you get that guide. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you that, as we sang, you will never leave us. You will always be there that when we listen to you, we will be able to go down the right path. You'll be that light to our, our feet and our light to our path. We will be able to see where we're supposed to go as we listen to you. Father, thank you for that, and we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.